Okay. Hello, good, e uh, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, everyone. That's usually how I start. Uh, Danny here, speaking from California, speaking in English, because this is an open session to, uh, uh, to, the, to investors. Uh, we typically have uh, multiple uh, uh, investors speaking different languages. So if you're wondering why I don't speak my mother tongue, which is Hebrew, and I see a lot of Israeli names, that's the reason. Um, we're doing this typically every Friday, 11 a.m. Pacific time, California time. Um, you know, an open session for Q&A and discussion about real estate investing. Um, I've been investing for many years and I want to share that uh, knowledge with you guys. We work with investors on an ongoing basis, helping them invest in real estate, obviously. So the purpose of this session is to engage, is to have, uh, to get your questions, uh, you know, real estate uh, investing, U.S. real estate investing questions. Uh, if I know, I will uh, definitely answer. If I don't, I'll let you know that it's not up my uh, expertise. Um, I typically bring a, a topic that I, I think interesting to discuss, but questions are always welcome on multiple topics related to real estate investing. Doesn't have to be questions on the topic uh, for today specifically. Uh, so let's get started uh, today's topic and feel free to ask questions while I speak. Feel free to ask questions after if you're watching the, um, you know, listening to the podcast or watching the, the recording later, you can post questions, no problem. We are streaming this event in three ways. So by the time we are done, it's going to be available on Facebook as a recording. It's available on YouTube as a recording and of course as a podcast as well. So it all goes through those three channels, so you can consume the content any way you would like. Um, if you are not sure how to find any one of those uh, channels, just let us know. We will share that information with you. Gladly, we'll share that information with you. Good. Today's topic is about hedging, uh, you know, towards the next downturn, you know, or the next uh, economic slowdown. Um, so let me start by saying. Um, edging is a very fancy word. My working assumption when I invest in rental properties, mostly in rental properties or you know, in, in real estate altogether, is that it's not about when or if we're going to have another downturn. It's all about you know, when that's going to happen. And obviously, I don't know when that's going to happen, but I always have it in the back of my mind. Let me just start by saying that I started investing in 2002. And in 2007 and 8 and 9, we felt the big downturn, the, you know, the big crash, uh, obviously. So anybody who was uh, involved heavily in real estate, did, you know, that period did not skip uh, that person. So maybe there are people here who know what I'm talking about, people who just heard about it. I can tell you that I lived through that. Uh, was, on one hand, it was not a pleasant time. I can tell you that. Uh, not at all. On the other hand, uh, I came out... You know, knowledgeable investor. Uh, I mean, I came into this uh, period as a knowledgeable investor, and I came out as a much more um, expert or much more, uh, more significant. You know, much more knowledgeable about real estate investing. The downturn of 2008 taught me a lot of things that I had to recalibrate my strategies personally uh, recalibrate the strategies that I teach investors, so they can actually benefit from that. Uh, terrible period, a really rough patch, a uh, long patch 
of a period and they can actually avoid that uh, for the future. So we try to make sure things that we've learned that I learned personally and things that I've learned by working with other investors throughout, throughout that period, we share that back to the community of investors who work with us so they cannot have the same situation or you know, uh, um, increase the chances of not running into the same situation if, that's, if something like this happens again. Now, are we uh, facing another downturn? I don't know, right? Um, are we seeing a slowdown? Well, I can think that in some markets around the country, we are seeing, I think, a, you know, a de-acceleration. So that means the rapid growth of real estate prices that we've been seeing, maybe, I don't know if the, the stats, but at least what people you know, are talking about is that if we were speeding at a certain speed, I think we are speeding at a lower speed uh, now. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, so that means we're not necessarily going into a, a, a crash or a downturn, but we're maybe not as moving fast or as rapid as before. So just keep that in mind. Um, by the way, if we are investors and we are seeing, if what I'm saying is correct and we're seeing a slowdown, that's actually a good thing for us. If we are investors that are buying, it's a good thing. So right now, up until this period, and maybe still is, a lot of the metros, a lot of the markets are behaving in a seller's market uh, mindset. So that means that the sellers have the upper hand. We're still seeing this. I know of at least one property that we were considering this week that had multiple offers. So we are still seeing that. Uh, if, if we are uh, slowing down, uh, we're not you know, uh, necessarily going down, but slowing down, that may change the seller's mindset and will shift a little bit towards buyer's market, hopefully. That is good for us if we are buyers. Obviously, that's not necessarily good for us if we are sellers. Now, if we are heading towards, if you are asking yourself, are we going to have a downturn? When are we going to have a downturn? How dramatic is it going to be? Well, obviously, I'm, you know, I'm not going to give you the answers because I don't know those answers, but I can make some decisions along the way how to hedge myself as an investor towards those period of time, right? So first assumption is, and historically speaking, in the United States, every so, so many years, we have a slowdown in the economy. So we know it's cyclical. So first assumption is, don't assume the market will continue to go at one rate or, or, or another. Assume there's going to be a downturn you know, coming, a slowdown coming in the, in the future. Right? Doesn't matter where you are, just assume that's coming. By the way, if you're buying a rental property with a clear purpose to hold it for 10, 15 years, you know, you should assume one or two, you know, 20 years, one or two periods of time that things will slow down. Now, does it mean a catastrophe? Not necessarily. It could be. It really depends on what you buy, when you bought, how much you pay for it, and all of those things. So let's talk about how to really think about it um, when you are buying, you know, rental properties. So the first thing, uh, um, the first thing is, the first thing is, Let's make sure we are buying in areas around the country, metros around the country, that we are actually paying for the land and the, and the building and not speculating. So that means, for example, some metros, such as the San Francisco Bay Area, uh, you know, many parts of California, some other parts around the country have been so inflated by prices, right? So we are paying a, an inflated price for the 
property, the building, and the land, okay? So let's start by just trying to pay even a market value. A lot of people are always looking for to pay below market value, but even if we pay a market value of a property, that's not a perception. This is, doesn't have to be a perception of an of a, um, um, inflated perception of the property. It could be we're paying how much it, you know, the land worth, how much the property is worth, and not an inflated you know, price. So let's start by going and buying in markets that are, first of all, not necessarily that expensive, um, you know, on the, on the lower end, and we're paying for properties really what they're worth. We're not paying for the perception of, of uh, you know, of an inflated value. So that's, that's a good thing. That's a start. Second thing, you know, when we hold properties for multiple years, 10, 15 years, we have a greater chance of hedging throughout the period. So that means if we buy now and in three years we see there is a slowdown, right? There's maybe a, you know, like a, like a valley. And then, you know, we're like, oh my God, what have we done? And then the, the property, even value of my property that I bought for 150 is now worth 130. It, it's not a good feeling, but if I'm holding it for long term, so that means even if we hit a valley and then we go up, right, over time, or maybe even slower, slowly, the 10 years, 15 years, period, span of time, will probably, you know, um, um, uh, historically speaking, will show us, you know, an upward movement of appreciation. So that's another thing that we, uh, we consider. The fact that we're buying long term is probably by itself a type of hedging against, um, you know, um, um, against, uh, you know, downturn. So that means we can skip. Right, I bought a property in 2005 in Orlando. The, I bought it for $190,000. At the bottom, you know, 2008 or 9, it probably came down to 85. Honestly, it wasn't, uh, uh, it wasn't, uh, you know, a fun uh, experience uh, to see your value of the property going down. But, um, um, but when uh, you know, right now it's probably worth about 200, maybe 210, maybe 220. So it came up eventually. It took some time. To do the correction of down and up, but all this period of time the property was rented, uh, occupied, so that wasn't really a, a big uh, issue. Actually, during the, the you know the downturn, a lot you know we saw an increase or, or an increase in rents and a decrease of uh, vacancies. So there's a there was a correction on the rental side when the value were going down. You know the. Um, the uh, um, the properties uh, vacancies and rent actually got you know the indicators on that got better so that's actually a good thing to remember there could be a correction on one end while there is a you know an upward correction on one side while there is a downward correction on another um, so going to areas that around the country that are showing you know good values for the properties maybe a little bit undervalued you know markets uh, even mar you know market value and not paying inflated prices. Obviously, we want to make sure the property is cash flowing, even a little bit. When we're buying with a mortgage, when the, when the property is cash flowing, it will be, um, it will be you know, kind of independent of us. So that means whatever happens in our life is not affecting the property, or the property is not affecting us because it has its own independent financial standing. So that's another, another aspect. Um, going to areas around the country that are showing growth and projected growth in jobs and population, right? So there's a lot of, uh, uh, a lot of people who like to go to certain parts of the country because they're cheap. Um, and some parts of those country, you know, the country, you know, the Midwest and the Northeast, some of those metros are actually 
there is a shrinkage of population and jobs. So you going there may not protect you long term. It may be a good investment short term, but long term it may not protect you because the, if the population is shrinking, that may be affecting your buyer's pools and renter's pool. So going to areas around the country that actually have growth of jobs and population is a good thing as well. Um, now, nowadays we're seeing that uh, you know cash flow is very you know cash flow is, is tighter than before. Obtaining good cash flow is tighter or harder than before for two main reasons. We've been experiencing an, you know an increase in values in the past few years, but not as fast increase in rents. So that's one thing. So obviously there's an erosion of that ratio of purchase price and rent. That's an, er an erosion of that ratio. Second thing, interest rate going up. So that means another, you know, the cost basis is increasing. The cash flow is more, is more tight. How do we mitigate against that? Well, a couple of things. Number one, consider putting 25% down or 30% down uh, on your mortgage and taking, a, you know, that will give you a little bit better rate and that will also mean you're borrowing a, a smaller amount and that will help with the cash flow. That's one thing. Second thing, remember that there's a very good chance you will not be married to that rate for many, many years. From my experience, in the next five to seven years, you're probably going to refinance um, you know, that mortgage to a better rate. You know, I don't know the future, but better rate um, than you have right now. So even if we are using a higher rate at the moment um, to, you know, to purchase, the good thing that usually happens when there is a downturn, there is a correction on the interest rate. And when there's a correction on the interest rate, you know, because that's a, that's a way to, you know, to kind of balance the economy, then you will have the opportunity to uh, refinance and get a better rate and lock yourself with a better rate for many more years and your cash flow will improve. Also remember that rents do tend to keep up, at least with the cost of living, and slowly go up over the years. They're not going to, you know, they're not going to jump up every year. Uh, by five or ten percent, but rents do tend to go up in steps every few years, and over time you will see there is an increase in your cash flow because the rents do tend to go up slowly over time. So all of those things, all of those things are ways for you to um, mitigate or hedge against you know the coming slowdown uh, if it's coming. I'm not saying it's coming, but you know I hear people talk about it. I hear people concerning about it. I usually like to bring to those Friday Friday sessions things that you know people talk about so we can address it. I know it's in people's mind. Let's let's have it a conversation about it. So I'm not saying there is a slowdown. Someone already asked which markets are slowing down. I don't see that yet because real estate takes time to track trends and probably September, you know, this is just finishing the summer. Um, probably September, October will show us the trends of the summers, which should not necessarily show us a slowdown. But what I'm also seeing or hearing is I'm speaking to people and more and more that conversation of a slowdown is coming up and, you know, people are more concerned about it. And usually there's a correlation between what people are talking about, you know, the, the, the mass uh, you know, uh, um, mindset of people and then what happens in reality. So I think there's a you know, correlation. Someone asked, am I seeing pro, you know, markets that are slowing down? The answer is no. Am I seeing uh, some, of the some of the areas that we used to sell much quicker, properties standing a little bit longer? The answer is yes, but at the same time, we're still in the summer and we're still seeing multiple offers on properties uh, or properties moving fast in, in the markets we are in. So it's maybe a transitional period, it's too early to say. I don't have the data, um, um, uh, you know, to um, to back it up at the moment. Now, 
Are we looking at another 2008 uh, or you know crash? I don't know. I would say that if that if the next slowdown would come, it's probably not going to be as horrific for a couple of reasons. First of all, there are a lot of uh, um, you know there are more fixed rate mortgages um, now or in the past 10 years. Uh, since before the first crash, we had a, a many adjustable mortgages before. So better mortgages are being sold, more scrutiny on lending, more conservatism of, on investors, uh, much more cash transactions. So it seems like it's probably a much healthier uh, lending environment uh, than before the recent crash. So that means if we're going into a slowdown, there's probably not going to be as horrific you know, uh, uh, issues because the in the past 10 years since the crash a lot of the uh, the many improvements and maybe many things have done were done in order to make sure lending practices are more let's just say conservative or or cautious or protected to the for the consumer and less um exposure on on that aspect so to recap everything about hedging number one Go to markets around the country that the numbers are reflecting good values and good rent, uh, you know, and not inflated prices, right? If a market already been appreciated, you know, tremendously, maybe it's not, you know, a, a reason to not consider that area. Number two, hold the property long term, 10, 15 years. It will hedge just by holding that long period of time against downturns, all right? Number three, you know, there's a possibility that if we're going to see a slowdown, that doesn't mean things are going to necessarily fully crash like 10 years ago. Um, you know, it can just be a slowdown. And in periods of slowdown, many times what you see, there is an increase of uh, um, um, uh, rents and, you know, decrease of vacancies, which improve our cash flow. So that's another, another thing to remember. Um, buying in markets, you know, around the country that are showing Projected job growth and population growth is very important. So don't be attracted to just the ROI or just the uh, you know the cheap properties just because it's a, you know the property is cheap. What is the you know what is the you know the economical setting around that property? And I'm talking about the metro size. I'm not just talking about you know the the immediate community. All of the and try to buy with some um, some cash flow. Um, using even a higher down payment of 25 or 30 percent down instead of 20 percent down to hedge against the cash flow to give you a little bit buffer or safety. Those are the main thing you can do in order to kind of hedge against uh, the next downturn. And again, I want to emphasize: I'm not saying we are heading into a downturn. I'm not saying it's coming. I don't know if it is. I'm just saying this is more and more I hear people talk about. And when I hear people talk about such topics, I like to bring it on to, you know, bring it to the conversation that we are uh, uh, having together. The whole purpose of this session is to have a conversation with you. Um, Yuval is asking, in which specific markets are you seeing a downturn? I am not. Uh, um, you know, same thing. Uh, in which markets are you seeing an emerging buyer's market? Emerging buyer's market. I am still not seeing that trends. Uh, I cannot give you a specific answer because we have not uh, looked at data on emerging buyers in specific markets. Interest rates are going to be higher in few years. Does that go hand in hand in, in, with refinancing? You don't know. I don't know if the interest rates are going to be higher. You know, in few years, interest rate. You know, have a way to match or collaborate or, or um, 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 you know. Uh, 
I forgot the word, you know, kind of respond to the economy. If we're going to see if, if the economy will slow down, there's a very good chance that, the, you know, the, the, the Fed will actually lower the interest rate, not increase the interest rate. So we don't know that for a fact. Um, um, obviously, if you're locking down a mortgage and the interest is continue, you know, rate today, a fixed rate today, and the interest rate will continue to, uh, um, to go up, you know, we're not going to be, uh, you're not going to refinance. If the economy will slow down and the feds will correct the, the rate, then obviously we're going to see uh, um, um, you, you will use that opportunity to get a better rate on your end. So I don't know, you, I don't have that confidence that interest rate necessarily will continue to go up. It may, I have no idea. Would you advise to wait until summer is over for buying rental properties? Um, no, I would just say, you know, work the market, you know, find, look for the opportunity. Don't be uh, uh, pressured to buy just because it's a summer or wait. You know, keep, you know, keep looking at properties, reviewing them. And then, uh, you know, when something that makes sense financially, location, everything, you know, go ahead and buy it. I, I have never been in a mindset you have to wait or you don't have to wait. You have to do this. There's, there's so too many uh, uh, moving parts as it is. I'm just trying to make the best decision. Um, you know, um, at any given time that I'm ready to buy. There's always opportunities. We just have to know how to work the market in your favor and find the right one for you. Thank you, Yuval. I know you have to leave, so thank you very much for your questions. Uh, let me see if additional questions are coming up. I'll wait for another minute and uh, if, uh, or so, and if more questions are coming, I'll be happy to take them. Great to see a lot of the uh, names that I know. So thank you for uh, taking time on uh, on a Friday, some of you Friday evening to join, to listen, to participate, to just press likes. I appreciate that. Um, okay, very good. So thank you for taking the time. Uh, this was a short and quick session about. Uh, about uh, how to hedge yourself or prep yourself or make decision towards the next, you know, uh, any uh, future downturn uh, in order to make better decisions as an investor. You are always welcome to get in touch with us online through Facebook, uh, through email, through our website, anywhere that any any way that makes sense to you. Our email is simply do sorry. Our website is simply doit.net. Uh, our email is meet, like meeting, meet at simplydoit.net. I know you know our Facebook. Uh, you are most welcome to get in touch with us if you want to learn more how we can help you invest, how we can uh, uh, help you do make better decisions regarding investing. We work in multiple states, uh, mostly buying residential rental properties. I want to thank you for taking the time uh, on this Friday. Have a terrific rest of your day. Have a terrific weekend. Thank you very much. Shabbat Shalom. Bye-bye, everyone. Okay. Good evening. Good afternoon, good morning, depending on where you are. Danny Bit or here. We do this session every week on Friday, 11 a.m. Pacific time, 11 Pacific time. Um, I do it in English because it's open to the public and we have uh, different uh, uh, language speakers joining us. Uh, I know that a lot of people here speak Hebrew, but uh, that's
that's uh, how we go about it. Uh, every week, I try to bring a topic related to real estate investing, um, of course, and talk about it. This week, I decided to actually not bring a topic in, but make it more of a open discussion Q and A, something that you can uh, bring, you know, uh, bring up uh, to the to the table and discuss about. So, by all means, uh, before I do any any additional talking. Um, let's uh, see, I want to get your questions. So the whole point of today is actually to get your questions um, on the on real estate investing. So let's see, do you have any questions regarding rentals, flips, uh, locally, out of state, concerns, fears, anything that can help you with, uh, uh, with investing? How can I help you? Uh, challenges, you guys lead the way. I'm going to wait for your questions in order to respond. I did not prepare a topic, you know, this time. If there are no questions, we will have to call it quits early today. So I'll wait here. Um, you know, I want to take your questions. We don't have to. If you are nuns, if you're all set, if uh, let me ask you, uh, uh, if anyone can respond. You know, are you investing? Are you considering investing? Well, where are you with the invest? Okay, what regions have you had the best luck in for rentals or flips? Oh, that's a good question. Thank you, Amanda. Um, I think for the rentals, thank you for breaking the ice. I think for the rentals. Um, I cannot think of an area it wasn't successful. Um, everything I would say was successful. So the type of rentals we do, um, the type of rentals we do, we buy nice houses in nice areas. We're not buying, you know, old, uh, older homes. Uh, um, you know, in a, in a, you know, in a, we are not investing in older homes in weak, economically weak areas. Uh, we target the lower middle class, middle middle class, upper middle class, you know, growing metros, jobs and population, um, you know, uh, uh, the, the people who work and have a job, typically, you know, a husband and wife both work, have a job, um, and they can afford to rent. Um, so that kind of creates a situation where you when you hold long term, you will have minimal noise. You will have the noise. There's always noise coming from ownership. But uh, that actually creates a, a niche where you have minimal noise in terms of um, ownership. So yes, do we have issues with tenants not pay, you know, paying? That happens. That's not a very common thing, but it does happen in this segment of the market. Uh, do we have evictions? Absolutely, that happens too. But again, that's a very small percentage of the number of houses. Most of the people that we work with, uh, they pay, they have jobs, uh, um, they're able to meet their financial obligations towards us, towards the property. So I would say for the most part, um, over the 15 years, the only times that was a little bit of a challenge was during about 10 decades ago, during the, in the last uh, downturn, the, you know, very uh, big downturn, uh, a lot of investors uh, were nervous because they saw uh, their house that they purchased for, you know, 100 and, and, you know 200,000 or 175,000, know, at, at, at somewhere between 2000 and four, five, six, even seven, going all the way down in some of the areas to maybe 90,000 or 100,000. That's not a pleasant feeling for sure. 
but around the same time, if you didn't get nervous and bailed out, so to speak, um, um, then you um, you are uh, um, you didn't uh, um, you know there's no problem. You just hang on to it, and that property went all the way back to what you purchased, and probably even past that point. I can tell you that from first hand you know experience. Um, some markets you know got to that price point and, and exceeded it. Uh, faster some slower i think for the most part all the markets you know past that price point uh, you know that uh, people paid for it i can't say for sure but most likely and during that time also the rents went up and the vacancies went down so if you were an investor getting nervous about this uh, you know in 2008 9 10 concerned about your property value um, regardless of the market you purchased in, that was uh, that was a uh, you know not a pleasant time. But it you know it, over over the long term it proved to be okay. You just have to hang on. So for the rental market, just because we do a lot of <clears throat> a lot of uh, targeting good growing rental metro, uh, good growing metros around the country with job growth and population growth, um, you know, and we are planning to hold it for five, 10, 15 years, maybe more. That actually, in a way, is a mechanism to uh, uh, to mitigate towards risk. You know, just hold, you know, buy quality quality property, quality area, quality metro. Hang on for long term. You're actually gonna uh, uh, minimize a lot of the noise that comes with it. So it will be a, a relatively a safer way to go about it. Uh, so that's uh, rentals. Flips uh, for flips is a little bit different. Um, over the years, we've been very uh, successful in some areas. I think the success of a flip is not an area based; it's more of a you know a, a property base. I have had amazing you know uh, flips that we've done, uh, you know that uh, with one team in one area that were really everything according to the plan. And the same and the same team in the same area have had flips that uh, that didn't work that well. I mean, maybe they're just a smaller profit than expected, maybe more unknown. So it's hard to say. It's hard to kind of differentiate. Flips is a very much uh, based on the market, based on the property and based on the team. Absolutely very, very, very important component. But it's not something that you can say, oh, I have a, a very strong market, a very strong team. And the flip is still going to be guaranteed successful. Not at all. There is no guarantees because every house has its own issues and problems, and you can never really tell in advance uh, what's going to happen. So it's harder to say to pinpoint the flip. The flip is much more challenging. Um, I, I can say that the bigger the flip is in terms of the renovation, which means a bigger renovation, which takes longer, that for me tells me there are more unknowns, um, uh, more unknowns. Uh, more uh, long, you know, the longer it takes and the, the bigger the project, the more unknowns uh, you know there are, the greater the risk. So a small flip with a smaller renovation by project budget would probably have a much it's a smaller risk, no doubt, versus a one that takes you know a bigger and more components and more people involved. The, you know, the more components and the more people involved, the bigger the risk you know there is. I know there's open for financing for rentals, but can you explain? The different ways we can finance flips. Well, flips. Uh, I would say we. Uh, uh, Ellie, good to see you. Thank you for joining. Uh, um, on the flips, I would say we go in um, two, three main ways to finance. Um, mainly cash. That's most of the flips. So all cash going in. Um, hard money loans. That's another one. 
And then we also have uh, uh, partnering with uh, partnering with the hedge funds sometimes. And the hedge funds, the way they work is they come in and they they fund 85 percent of the of the project, and we bring 15 uh, percent. Uh, so that's how we go about it. And they get a preferred return of seven percent paid when the property is sold. So it's not like an uh, in a monthly payment or an interest payment. They get on their funds. They get a preferred return of 7% and then we do a profit sharing with them. We also get a preferred return, but when we sell the property, first of all, they get paid 7% on their funds. Then they get their, their initial investment. Uh, they're like an order of distribution. Then we get the 7% of the amount that we brought in and then we get the initial uh, uh, investment. And after all of that, then we split the profit with the hedge fund, 50% to them, 50% to us. And we still do something, you know, if the investor is involved, we do something with the, with the investors uh, as well on the, on the profit sharing. So uh, mainly on flips, cash. And cash can be one investor all in, cash, one inv multiple investors on the deal, cash, uh, one investor hard money loan, multiple investors uh, with hard money loan, and the hedge fund. If we do the hedge fund, it's going to be one investor because it's a relatively smaller amount, um, not multiple investors. So those are... Uh, cash, hard money, and hedge fund uh, partnership with the hedge fund. There's obviously more to it, but I'm just giving you uh, the nutshell for your question. Good question. Um, yeah, uh, are there additional questions? I'll wait for another uh, minute or so and see if there's additional questions. Does it have to be, uh, you know, follow up? It could be a follow up on the questions asked. Could be on something else. Thank you, Amanda, for uh, for the questions. Good questions. I appreciate it. Hi, Tal. Good to see you. Okay, very good. Short and simple. I want to wish everyone happy weekend, good weekend, good long weekend. Enjoy your uh, your holiday. Uh, Shabbat shalom for those of you who speak Hebrew. Um, thank you very much for everything, for, for taking the time, and not for everything, for taking the time. You know how to get in touch with us if you want some more specifics, uh, specific information. Um, and... Um, have a great weekend, everyone. See you next Friday, 11 a.m. Pacific time for another topic, another session. Uh, hopefully to get your questions as well. Have a great weekend. Bye-bye. Shabbat shalom.